The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started singing. your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Amos, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Hosea, Joel, Amos. They go to Amos chapter 4. I'm going to turn to another passage, Um, Jeremiah. I want to read a little bit, Jeremiah chapter 5. And then go to a few passages. I want to show you tonight's uh, message is uh, the prophetic formula. I believe it was Brother Phillips. We pray together, and uh, uh, he he mentioned something about noticing a formula in the Bible, which in Isaiah. Remember that? Remember that? Yes. Well, I got in my mind. I got thinking about it. I thought I've worked on that. I've done some work on that. Went back and found where I had done some work. Added a little bit to it, from what I've learned. And I'm going to show you the biblical. And I think. Most of you know there's been another shooting and more officers were killed in Baton Rouge. And, and um, you know, and you young people may think the end of the world's coming, but we older folks lived through 1968, the burning of Detroit. Uh, we lived through Kent State and all that went on and that whole deal. And this isn't the first time we've had civil unrest in America. Uh, we've had it before. We've gone through it before. It's not ever pleasant. It's never good, uh, but we have, again, uh, it's cyclical, it seems like. And here we got a, a season of, of, uh, of unrest and, you know, where there's these shootings and things. I believe, by the grace of God, we'll get through it. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, when you turn away from God, where do you go? When, when, you, when you teach your children for 50 years that they're, they're nothing but an animal, and there's no accountability for their actions because they're just an animal. What do you think is going to happen when they get to be adults? What do you think is going to happen when they don't get what they want? They're going to take what they want. And they don't even feel bad about it. And so we have a precarious situation of a, of a generation or two that have been told basically they're just animals and there's no real accountability. And <clears throat> kind of... They've definitely been taught since early 70s relativism, which meaning there's no really right. They've been taught pluralism, which means that everybody's on the road to heaven. Don't make any difference really what you believe. And there's no certain right. And in fact, if you believe something's right, it's right. If you don't believe it's right, that's how you get a Supreme Court decision like we got recently. It infected the justices. The philosophy even got to the place of infecting them because they were raised up you know, in a generation in which we're believing in. Well, God, 
this is not the first time and it won't be the last time that when men left when men leave God, where do they go? Well, God God recorded in the Old Testament for us the calling of his people, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, starting with a man named Abraham. Abraham was a Syrian. He was a some of a nomad or the Chaldees called him out of there. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham was saved by grace through faith. And uh, uh, the, God began to call a nation out of him, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's 12 children. The 12 children, of course, 75 or so, 76 of them went down to Egypt. Spent about 400, 435 years down in Egypt. Came out of Egypt, about 2.5 million people, 2 million, 3 million people. Don't know quite how many, a lot of folks. And uh, God began to take them to the promised land. They had told them that he would establish them in that land, make them an, an actual nation among the world. And uh, you know the story. You've read the Bible through. That they went over there and they conquered most of the land. Did not, never did, never fulfilled all the conquering of the land. They allowed, they were supposed to go over there and wipe out everybody in the land, everything that had breath. They did not obey God from the very get-go. And uh, they obeyed him in some measure, but not in full measure. Consequently, uh, after about 15 years, I think uh, Joshua cut them loose and said, you, you, you each tribe, you conquer the rest of the land. Uh, they got infected. They were warned by God over and over again, you know, in the, in the Pentateuch, do not get infected by the gods of those lands. Do not mention their name. Don't let it come up in your mouth. Do not. They're, they're, and, and, and you can't read the Bible and believe in pluralism. You cannot read the Bible and believe in relativism. Either the Bible's true or that stuff's true, but, but I believe the Bible's true, and, and I'm convinced of it. And, and he told them, if you get, but what he warned them and what maybe I noticed so much about the Old Testament was how infectious, how contagious evil is. I mean, these were people that had God as, as their king, a theocracy. They were a theocracy until Saul. God was their king. And he would, through the priesthood, tell them what to do, where to do it, how to do it. And so he was their king. He was their head, a theocracy, until Saul uh, was, was made king. And that's, that's why he told Samuel, they basically rejected me by wanting a king. And, and they don't want me to rule over them anymore, so I'll give them a king. But I'm going to warn you about this king, what he's going to do to you. He's going to start taxing you right off the bat, 20%. Federal income tax. Egypt, he got that from Joseph. And so, uh, but their nation, they struggle. They struggle. They get infected. They get around those people and start picking their stuff up. God will judge them. And it was a series of, of course, of the judges, uh, Joshua, then judge, conquered land, then judges. And you see this 13, I believe it is, series of, of rising up and then falling down, about a 40-year period of time. And, and, and a guy would rise up and lead them back to revival. Then they would the guy would die, and they'd fall back in the hole and start worshiping. And the Bible says every man did what was right in his own eyes. And God calls them back and his people back from their waywardism through these prophetic formulas, as they are called. And so uh, I will, uh, let's, well, I will continue on this prophetic formulas where God says something over and over again. It's interesting. Uh, I was taught in, in at, at school about preaching that you learn to preach from the Bible. That makes sense. You learn to preach by the preaching you see in Scripture. In other words, if you see God use a method 
then that should be a method you pick up and use once in a while. Now, maybe not every time you preach, right? Not every time you teach. But if God uses a particular method, it's, it's very smart to me, and it seems wise to me that you, you use that method. That's the way you learn to preach, is by reading through the Bible, looking at the various messages, looking how God himself preached to his people, looking how his, his, call, his called servants have preached, apostles and such, and then using that methodology uh, also in your preaching too. Copy the way God presented his truth in the actual pattern. And, and I see this pattern, and Brother, uh, Brother Corey brought this up and we prayed. Uh, and I'm going to go to a few passages first uh, before we go to Amos. Let me go to Isaiah and see the pattern there in Isaiah. If you want to take, put your finger in Amos, we'll go there in a minute. And then let's go to Isaiah and, and chapter 5, verse 25. And then I'm going to go to chapter 9. I'm going to uh, go to chapter 10. But you, you're smart enough to navigate all that. I mean, no problem. If that's too much for you, just listen. It'll be okay. Chapter 5, verse 25 says, Isaiah, therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he has stretched forth his hand against them. Notice that. This is against them. And has smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger is not turned away. But this, And here's the formula from here on but his hand is stretched out still. And then we go to chapter 9, verse 12. And the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they that shall devour Israel with open mouth, for all this his anger is not turned away, and here's a formula, but his hand is stretched out still. Chapter 9, verse 17. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their... Uh, their young men neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for every one is an hypocrite. That kind of gives you an idea what God thinks of people saying one thing, doing another. Uh, intentionally now, with forethought, and repeatedly without repentance. Everybody's a hypocrite from time to time. I'd like to tell you that I lived an absolutely consistent Christian life, but I would be, I would be a hypocrite at that moment because I would be lying about it, pretending to be something I'm not. It's best just to cough it up. Once in a while, I'm a hypocrite. So uh, don't point a finger at me and say you're a hypocrite like you've come to some great revelation. The, the problem with being a hypocrite is being a consistent hypocrite, being a hypocrite with forethought, being a hypocrite because you intend to deceive and intend to t make people believe something you're not, and consequently, uh, that's the kind of hypocrite the Pharisees were. They kept the letter of the law, but they were so far from the spirit of the law that they didn't, they didn't have a clue. They, just, they thought if you just keep this letter, that's all you got to do. When the whole time God said in the Old Testament that they knew so well that to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength was the first and greatest commandment. Well, they knew that, but yet it was just words to them. And religion became a system to them. It became an institution to them, and it lost its heart. It lost its soul, and they became just hollow robots keeping a system that their forefathers handed down to them, and that is what God despises, and he despised it. Jehovah God, of course, despised it back then. He says, uh, everyone is a hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. For all this, his anger is not turned away, and here's the formula, but his hand is stretched out still. That's the third time mentioned there in Isaiah. 
There's a fourth time in verse 21, same chapter. Manasseh, Ephraim, Ephraim, Manasseh, they, they together shall be against Judah. For all this, his anger is not turned away. And here's the formula, but his hand is stretched out still. And then chapter 10, one chapter over in verse 4, is the other one. We see, without me, they shall bow down under the prisons, prisoners, and they shall fall under the slain. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Now, I could spend the rest of the evening just talking about the context and all this of Isaiah and what he was going to do to them, but we want to move on because I want to show you that this occurs in more than one place. Let's now go to Amos, if you would, chapter 4, and see a pattern there also. In Amos chapter 4, verse 6, he says, And I also have given you cleanness of teeth. Again, Amos is a, is a, 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 a sheep herder. He's preaching against sin. Amos, the theme of Amos is preaching against sin. The people have backslidden. They've gone the way of the world. And he's been, he's been called to God to do this. What a job. And I've given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and one of bread in all your places. And here's the formula. Yet have ye not returned unto me. That's the formula right there, saith the Lord. In verse 7, and, and, and let's go through, well, let's just read down through 12. And also I have withholding the rain from you when there were yet three months in the harvest. I caused it to rain upon one city, caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon the piece there, whereupon it raineth not withered. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Here's the formula. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Verse 9, I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palmer worm devoured them. And here's the formula. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, when we had, a, like in World War II, or any or civil war, or any war, most of the people that die are your young men. They die in droves and in large numbers, and that is a gene pool that is taken away from you, and it ultimately it hurts you more than you realize. I've taken away your young men, I have slain with the sword, and have taken away your horses, and I have made, this, I made uh, the stink of your camps to come up into your nostrils. And here's the formula. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. That's the fifth time, I believe. And then the, we see in verse 12 there, Therefore, thus will I do unto you, O Israel, because I will do this unto thee. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Some of you have heard that phrase for many a, a moon, but you didn't know where it came from, but it was from Israel. Prepare to meet thy God. I've seen it on bumper stickers. I should have probably put that on a t-shirt, but with the way that things are going right now, if I put that on a t-shirt, they'd probably arrest me. Um, prepare to meet thy God. They'd think I had maybe bombs strapped on me and I was going to pop the button. But but uh, we should be prepared to meet your God. Are you prepared to meet God tonight? You say, Brother Bill, I'm not ready. You better get ready. You better not have a waking hour of your day that you're not ready to meet God. Uh, Doc, Dr. Crabb's probably seen this. And I know some of our people here worked in emergency room for 13, 14 years and they told me, man, people die in the strangest ways you can ever imagine. I mean, they, they get you can have a little blood vessel burst in your head right now, and you're gone, brother. You can have a big one burst, and you're gone also. Uh, you can have a little, what they call the widow maker. 
Widowmaker, a little 90-degree turn in the left ventricle, I think it is, and that baby gets a little clot in it, and you're gone, you know? I think I've seen some women try to kill their husbands through that Widowmaker, basically by feeding them too good. And I always tell my mother-in-law, she had two husbands die on her, and she said I wouldn't get married again because men don't last. And I said, well, what do you mean? And I said, Mom, I said, the reason they didn't last is you killed them boys with a spoon. She was just one of the best cooks I'd been around a long time, and you just had to eat when you get around her. And she likes Swedish desserts. Are you familiar with Swedish desserts? They'll take you out 10 years normally, earlier than you normally go. What is it going to take before you listen to God? I think that's what this whole thing is about. He says, yet have you not returned unto me? Over and over and over again, he says, I did this. And we're going to review a few of those things that he did. God begins a process in the Bible when his people go into backsliding and go into hypocrisy and other things. He begins a process of convincing them to awake and to turn back to him because that's what it's all about, returning to him, returning to the foundations. I remember when we were losing in sports, and we'd go halftime back to the uh, place where we met. Uh, our coach would say, man, we got to go back to the fundamentals. Go back to the fundamentals. That sounded right to me. He said, let's stop the old razzle-dazzle. Let's get back to the fundamentals because we are getting beat. And if we don't go back to the fundamentals, we're never going to win. And so it would help us usually. There are five main things he mentions here in Amos. Uh, he mentions, first of all, he says, I'm going to send cleanness of teeth uh, and want of bread, famine, one of bread. It's interesting that's been one of God's favorite methods throughout the whole history of mankind through the Bible is giving people times of famine. I know I like to eat. How about you? Uh, you take food away from me, and it changes my whole countenance. I know we've fasted here over and over again through the years, and I'll tell you, a seven-day fast, a seven-day water-only fast, it affects you. It affects the way you behave. In fact, one thing my wife and I understood by doing those seven-day water-only fasts is almost all the commercials on TV are about food. And if it's not about food, it's about drugs, how to get overeating all that food. Drug companies and food are dominant with the advertising on TV. It used to be cigarettes. Remember when cigarettes dominated the ad? The Winston man and the, and the uh, well, never mind. Cleanness of teeth. The shortage of food and shortages. Now, here in the United States and in my lifetime, at 64 years, I may have lived the most abundant 64-year period of any time anywhere in history. I mean, I have lived in a country for 64 years that the, the, the grocery stores were shelves were stocked full, more than you had money to buy, you could go at any time down to any grocery store in any place in the United States almost, and you could just fill, if you had the money, you could fill yourself up. And in fact, if you didn't have food, you'd go to the Salvation Army and get food. There was food at, at, at any, almost everywhere and anywhere in my lifetime. It's not always been that way. My dad during the Depression, and I don't doubt at all that God caused the Depression to wake his people up. He brought that 1929 slide and all of a sudden, there wasn't, my dad, my dad said he went many meals without eating. Now, we're talking to kids. Now, kids like to eat, amen? 
Imagine Bryson, you coming to supper tonight and saying, Bryson, I'm sorry, we have no food. There's nothing to eat tonight, Bryson. Well, from looking at you, you could go a few of those days. It wouldn't hurt you. But uh, that's only because you've hurt your dad financially to get to where you're at. But uh, I'm telling you, you know, you don't hurt a boy much more than saying there's no food. No food. I remember my dad said that they would go out and try to steal. Uh, people back then would, would get milk from the Amish, and when the, they would clean the bottle and put the money in the, in the throat of the milk jug and set it out uh, on the porch, and the Amish would come, and they'd take the empty one with the money, and they would put a new one on there uh, with that cream, you know, about this deep on the top of it. Oh, make me hungry. And, uh, and they would put that back on there, and that was processed. We said they would slip in to these homes and try to take the money out of the lids so that they could go home and get something to eat. They would jump trains and take coal as the train was moving and throw it out so that they could have heat for the night. My dad had it rough. But, brother, he was about 25% of America had it that way. And it's sober. And let me tell you, it changed that generation. That old, that old depression generation, they worked like they had no tomorrow. I mean, they learned how to do plumbing, learned how to do electricity. They could do anything. They could, it, you give them some bale wire, they could build anything. I remember them old boys around here. I got a pleasure of working with them, and they would fix this. Oh, give me some bale wire. I'll fix it. I said, no, 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 no bale wire, man. Let's go get a part. A part? We don't need no part. They would take gray, gray uh, 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 electrical tubing and, and put it with white. It's, it's just a color difference. No, it's a chemical difference. There's a difference. In, they had, I had a hard time convincing them not to. And, and still to this day, we're digging up. And I think, Chris, I don't know if you were with me. We dug up two different colored pipes, and I looked at that and had a little moment, a sentimental moment. I said, Yo, World War II boys put that together. They used a gray pipe and a white pipe. Of course, it broke, and we had to fix it. But it was, they're dead, so they don't care. He said, in Haggai 1.6, he said, you're sowing much and bring in little. You eat, you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe, we clothe you, but there's none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages is to put it in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. That's another prophetic formula, that word, consider your ways. He says that over and over again. Consider your ways. Turn back unto the Lord. With all of this I brought upon you, as the Bible says, his arm is stretched out still in judgment. Man, I want to respond when God comes by, amen? When God comes by my house, I want to respond to his chastisement. And by the way, we're all under chastisement from time to time. We have to have it. We need it. It's because God loves you and cares for you and wants you not to miss out on the real, important, eternal things that he puts these things on his people. He takes their food away, not because he's not because he's mean-spirited, but because he, he is trying to shake them and wake them up and make them realize you're missing what's really important here. Isn't that what it's all about? Wake up. Because God loves you and cares for you, and, and these things is why he brings chastisement in our lives. No Christian can prosper outside of the will of God. Well, I hope you get that. You're not going to make it on your own. Oh, you may live a while, but you're not going to be happy in the end of it. The only people that are ever going to be happy are those who live for Jesus and seek to do his will. Man, when will you get that? 
right? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, one of my favorite passages. He tells the people there in Deuteronomy, his, that's the Pentateuch, his people, he said, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. The first time I read through that, I go, bingo, bing, 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 bing. If it's God and his power to give me wealth and to bless the work of my hands and to multiply the work of my hands, then it's important that I do what he asked me to do. Make sense? Are you struggling and struggling and struggling and almost seems that there's, there's no way, almost seems like you got a curse on the work of your hands? It almost seems the first time you get 500 bucks, you get a root canal. The first time you get 1,000 bucks, you get three flat tires. The first time you get fifteen hundred bucks, first time you get fifteen hundred dollars, uh, uh, the water heater breaks and the, and your wife backs into the garage door and puts it in drive and backs into the water heater washer and dryer goes forward and hits the water heater washer and dryer. I know somebody that happened to. I mean, does it make sense make sense to you that when those things happen, you're putting your money in a bag with holes? Does that make sense? You're making money, you're producing, but you're putting it in a bag with holes. It just seems to be going out. Uh, oh, Harvey Youngquist, you say the Audi valve's wide open. Your Audi valve's wide open. You're bleeding out. And God may be, it could be, you know, it could be God. It can be God doing that. He's giving you a cleanness of teeth. Uh, why? Possibly because there's an area in your life he's trying to get your attention. Maybe there's some hypocrisy in your life. Maybe you're watching some stuff you shouldn't have no business watching. You may be, you may be, uh, you may be lusting privately when nobody knows about it. You know, you think you can, we are going to get away with any of that stuff. God has a lot. I told Kathy on the way here tonight, God has a lot of options when it comes to getting our attention. Amen. How about a kidney stone? I got my, t- hey, kidney stone gets your attention. Amen. Boom! What's wild about a kidney stone is you're sitting here feeling real good and ain't no pain. All of a sudden, you're rolling around on the floor. Brother, if I got a bad kidney stone right now, I'd be rolling around on here, jumping down there, saying, shoot me. The second thing we see in verse 7 there, Amos, we see he'll send El Nino. And I have withholding the rain from you. Three months of harvest that caused rain upon one seed and another. There's a time in harvest, there's a time in growth of a crop that you need water. There's a time you don't need water. The time when you're harvesting, you don't want it to rain. It'll ruin your harvest. Time when you need a time. So timing's what it's all about. God says, I got the timing. I'm the one that controls the timing. Do what I ask you to do. Be faithful. Be honest, be straight up and down with me, and I'll cause it to rain in due time and due season, and, I, and you'll get it when you need it, and you won't get it when you don't need it. God, does God control the weather, folks? Does God control the weather? Now, wait a minute. You're living in Hurricane Alley. You folks from up north that moved here, which is about all of us, amen, uh, sometimes I get a kick out of people. They say, well, I don't move to Florida. You guys got hurricanes. Well, let me tell you, I'd rather have a, I'd rather live in a hurricane area, a hundred to one over a tornado area, 
tornado area, they come at night. They kill you while you're sleeping. You have very little notice. But, man, a hurricane comes, they'll tell you five days out this thing's forming. It's four days away. It's three days away. It's two days away. I mean, if you want to stay, it's up to you, amen? But, I mean, they give you time to go north. They give you time to go to the other coast. They give you time to dig a hole. Whatever you want to do. Bible's clear about that. God has control. Nahum 1.3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all quit the wicked. Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds of the dust. You see, whirlwind and storm, meaning whirlwind could be a hurricane, whirlwind could be a tornado, but it goes where God wants it to go. When those, when those hurricanes come, you say, Brother Bill, do you pray the hurricane won't hit us? No. No. Because when I pray a hurricane won't hit us, I'm praying it hits the guy down the road. And I'm not going to pray that way. I'm saying, God, have your will and have mercy upon us. That's all you can do. Have mercy upon us. It may be time. 1960 was the last hurricane, Force 5 hurricane uh, that we had here in our area. And we're way, way, way overdue. According to National Geographic, we are supposed to get three of those in 100 years. It's been about 60 years, I think, or so since we've had one. So we're getting overdue for a real bad run. I'm not talking about them kind of go through and no down. I'm talking about Force 5, 235 mile an hour, sustained wind. I'm talking about taking the roof off the buildings, uh, destroying your property, maiming the area to where it takes 10 years to rebuild it, maybe more. Like it did over there in 1992 when Andrew waded through Florida City and that area over there. I was went through there three days after that happened. Looked like atomic bomb was dropped, boom. Trees were laying like this. They were laying both directions flat. And I thought, how'd that happen? Well, when the eye goes over, they, they go one way. Then when the eye goes back over the other way, they drop the other way. What well, didn't drop the first time. Amazing things to see. Houses gutted. Houses were, every, as far as my eye could see, had nothing in them. They were gutted. Condos were just a hollow tube with little holes. Unbelievable. Took over 10 years for that place to rebuild. Maybe actually 15 years. It's good now. Everything's new, amen. But uh, that can happen. God's got that under control. I serve a God that controls the weather. People sometimes say to me, I'm worried about getting struck by lightning. Don't be worried. If you get struck by lightning, God wants you to get struck by lightning. Even an insurance company, a bunch of heathens, call it an act of God. I mean, come on. I'm out there. I've dove with lightning hitting all over the place that you're the highest thing on the water. You're 30 miles out. You get a lightning surround. What are you going to do? when they come for you. You just get in the fetal position, say, Lord Jesus, come. I think Tom Gillespie went with us fishing. I'm going to go, I'm going way back. This was been on a uh, three-day trip with uh, Dr. Anderson's son. We went on a three-day trip together. And you had hair then. And, and his hair stood up. Uh, when lightning gets real close to you, the ions line up, and his hair is pretty light and thin. And I remember, I think your hair stood straight up. Now, brother, Tommy was really close to the gates at that point. He could probably hear the angels singing at that point when the ions line up and your hair goes up. But uh, as you can see, he's still here. Why? God didn't want him yet. God didn't want him yet. But if God wanted him, he took him that day. That would have been. So he can bring the weather to help judge him. Uh, thirdly, he uses pestilences and funguses and, and bugs to judge you. Fourthly, he uses diseases uh, and violence and pollution uh, to convince his people to repent. Um, 
I have sent among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men will be slain with a sword and have taken away your horses and have made the stink of your camps come up in your nostrils, yet you have not returned unto me. You know, the average life expectancy of a young man in the inner city is only 20 years old. I could, I could shower you with statistics of how bad it is in inner cities. They're killing each other outright, straight up and down. They're killing each other. And it is a judgment from Almighty God because of the wickednesses that's going on in those inner cities. He'll cause your young men to be slain. How much clearer can it be? It's like, it's like reading a newspaper. Fifthly, he'll cause calamities to come without remedy. Verse 11, I've overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a calamity that comes up real quickly all at once. Uh, it strikes without a bunch of notice. He can cause calamity. Sodom and Gomorrah, they got out that morning. Oh, it's another beautiful day, man. Boom. The fire, the Bible said the brimstone came down from heaven and destroyed them in, in, a, in, in, a, in a very quick, unforetold to them. The only one that knew was Lot and his wife and his two girls, the angels. <clears throat> the only one that knew what was going on, really. Oh, I bet his son-in-laws, them mockers that mocked him and thought he was crazy, I bet they got a dose after that. But God judges that way. I thought in 1962. How many were here in 1962 and were cognizant? 1962. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let's all go out to eat together. 1962. Remember 1960? Remember a guy by Nikita Khrushchev going, I will bury you. How'd I do? He took his shoe off, if I remember right. Oh, no. I thought I had my slip-on shoes. I think he took his shoe, if I remember right. I will bury you. That's 30,000 nuclear weapons, I think, at that time. They could have buried us. This would have been a graveyard of radioactivity had they released their nukes upon us in 1962. You that didn't live during that time, in 1962, uh, one of the favorite things was a bomb shelter. Most of you may remember that. Now you put you may put, put potatoes in them. But we had a bomb shelter, and, and you get bomb shelters because everybody and his brother, for some reason, wanted to survive the aftermath of a nuclear attack. I'm not sure why, because everything would be a 100,000-year half-life polluted and there wouldn't be nothing you could eat that wouldn't kill you, and your water would be destroyed, and everything. Why would you want to be around for that? But I guess that's what they wanted because people want to live. But it was a, it's a calamity. Let me say, 1962, for some reason, God said, I'm not going to destroy you that way. But you know what he let us do? We Christians thought, ooh, that's how easy that could happen. Let me just tell you, you just get one crazy over there, uh, Putin and, and his gang over there somehow. Or you get, to, how about that North Korean guy? That North Korean guy, he looks whacked out, that boy. His haircut is punk. <clears throat> Straight up and down, punk haircut. And he's got the button for those nukes, man. He's got the button. It's only God holds that back. There's no good reason why he don't push the button. He's got nothing to live for. You can see that. You hit that nuke, boom, 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 and it starts a chain reaction. You nuke me, I nuke you, and Russia nukes me, and I nuke them, and, and pretty soon the submarines, tridents take over and destroy what's left, and God's 
cause calamity to come. They said, I can do that. I can judge you with that. How I, what am I doing all this for? Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He was trying to convince these people, you need to respect me. You need to fear me. You need to reverence me. You need to adjust your life to honor me. I am your God. I'm a great God. I'm the one that created all that is. Give me the honor just do. And I'll help you and I'll bless you. And by the way, on the contra side of all this, God has the power to do the, the good of the opposite of these things. He has the power to give you fullness of bread, brother. He has power to give you the weather that's going to help you. He has power to, to bless your finances. I see in Malachi, where the people had robbed God and they had not tithed. And he said, will a man rob God? Well, you've robbed me of your tithes and offerings. He says to them, he says, have you noticed you're putting your money in a bag with holes? Have you noticed that same phrase? Have you noticed that things aren't going as far as they ought to go? Have you noticed that things you ain't meet, you're not meeting your bills? Have you noticed the bills are outweighing your income? He said, because you're robbing me of the tithe. I know the first time I read that, let me say this, I don't have to get beat up. I, I read that and I said, Lord, you're getting 10%, and I'm going to add a little extra in there too. I'll put an offering in there. Tithe and offering, you know, and I, I want to, if I'm going to air God, I want to air I'm given just too much. And he says, oh, son, you can't give too much. He said, because I own a cattle on a thousand hills and the hills. He said, you're never going to outgive me. And I'm going to tell you, at 64 years old, I've learned something. You cannot outgive God. You can't outgive him. You can give and God will somehow turn something around on you and bless you. You'll buy, a, you'll buy a piece of land, and I-75 will go through, and, and you'll have a corner lot on I-75. You'll go, well, I never dreamt that was going to happen. That's because you honored God first. Glory. Your chickens will live. That's right. Your chickens will live. Boy, prophetic formula. So we see, as I close, we see in this. Let's take the book. Uh, let's go to Amos. I'm not going to go to Jeremiah. I think I'm just going to not do that in Jeremiah. But let's go to Amos, if you would. Hosea, Joel, Amos. And you already add Amos. I'm not. So I'm going to go over to this Amos. Hosea, Joel, Amos. Or Jonah, I forgot that. Um, Hosea, Joel. Hosea, Joel, Amos, chapter 8. And verse 11. You love it when I fail, don't you? Verse 11 and 12 of the 8th chapter of Amos. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, not a, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. One of the beautiful things that God has blessed America is he, he's allowed the preaching of the Bible to be free all over our country. But if you take your books to Isaiah chapter 57, let's see, Isaiah... 57. 
57. And I'm hoping it's 57. One. He said, the righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart. And the merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. You know God's judgment is upon America when he begins to close down places where his word is preached, begins to take people that preach his word away. Because judgment's coming, and he has mercy upon us. And now we sit in a moment where we have the abundance of the Bible. There's Bibles everywhere. Bibles everywhere. Word of God everywhere. Read it, folks, while you got the chance. Serve God with all your heart. Lay it upon your heart that for as long as I live by the grace of God, I'm going to put God first in my life. And I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to prove him to see if the things that were spoken tonight are so. And they are. Father, help us tonight to understand how you operate your mind, uh, your ways. And Father, we just pray that the Spirit of God would help us to be convicted where those doing where we are in those things that are not pleasing in your sight or not doing what's right. Help us to understand when you have to chastise us why it is happening and and that and that we humbly submit to it. And indeed, as the Bible says, return unto the Lord in the areas that you're working with us on. Help us not to be hard-hearted. Help us not to be closed-minded. Father, help us to just look up to thee. You'd come and and give grace to us. Pray for our country, America. We see things going on. We're grieved for the people that are losing their lives and the violence that's taking place. We pray, my God, that you'd give us a little more time for the sake of the ten you'd spare the city, that you'd allow us a little more time to preach the gospel, do bus ministry, do all the various opportunities of sharing the gospel. Father, help us. There may be some here tonight without Christ, their personal Savior. You don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. Man, there's no better place, no better time than right now to find out about that. Maybe you've heard the gospel a few times, you didn't respond. Why don't you tonight say yes? I'm going to unashamedly make profession of faith before these people. Bible says, if you'll confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. But he says, he warns, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you also before him and the angels. Man, I wanted to confess Jesus everywhere I go. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.